Good morning, everyone. I'm John Schmidt. I'm the senior pastor here at Centerpoint Fellowship Church. And today, I want to tell you a little bit about Centerpoint's mission, what we're trying to do here. So inside of your bulletin, you'll find an outline with that topic at the top of Centerpoint's mission and vision. Who are we and what we're trying to do? Because this church was started by ordinary people about six years ago in a living room right here in Prattville. For all of you watching online, and we Tumka and Cloverdale and in uh, parts of Texas and in uh, all kinds of places all over the world. We are excited that you are along with us here today and Pike Road as well. Uh, want to let you know that um, we have a mission here that we're trying to carry out, but it was set up. The people who originally started this set this up so this church could be used. So it'd be an encouragement to everybody came. When we put this church together, the idea was how do we make a church that really does that keeps the main thing the main thing? And so this morning I want to talk to you about keeping on mission because it applies to each one of us. That's why this church exists. I want to talk about what God has said the mission is for each one of us and how we're going to do that together the best we can here at Centerpoint. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, I just pray that today you'll speak and you'll move me out of the way. I thank you this church came together um, about six years ago when it first started. And Father, I'm just grateful to be a part of it. I pray that everything we say and do here will help all of us keep the main thing the main thing. And that we'll stay on mission and do the things you want us to do. In just a moment of silence, if you'd like the Lord to speak to you today, would you just, before I say another word, would you say, Lord, would you please show me something today that I need to know? If you truly desire that, say, God, please show me something I need to learn today. Please challenge me in some important way. Father, that's our desire at this church, that you would always speak from your word, that you would always teach us and move us closer to you. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Hey, if you need a pen to fill in the blanks in your outline, just raise your hand. One of the ushers will be glad to bring a pen to you so you can fill those in. Um, Centerpoint's mission, why do we exist? It's important to know uh, why an organization exists. In fact, if you take your outline and just kind of open it up just like this and go straight across to the left-hand side, it'll be on the back page of your outline. Um, You'll see some mission statements from some other organizations. Here's Walmart's. We save you money so you can live better. I thought it was we take all of John Schmidt's money. Then that was it. Uh, but that's not it. Uh, to be Earth's most customer-centric company where people can find and discover anything they want to buy online. That's Amazon's. What are the Billy Graham evangelistic people up to? We exist to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ by every effective means to equip others to do the same. Well, good for you, Billy. Well, what are we doing at Centerpoint? Well, ours is the next one there. It's also on the front side of the page here. Centerpoint Fellowship Church exists to center lives on Christ by fulfilling the great commandment and the great commission. Our elders and I, we hammered this out over a lot of discussions. How can we keep it short and succinct? How can we keep this to the point? How can we keep the main thing the main thing? And we identified, well, there's two chunks of Scripture that always come out to us over and over again when you talk about, hey, do we want to keep doing the things? If we want to keep the main thing the main thing, well, what is that? Or what are the things that Jesus told us to do? And it comes down to two passages of Scripture, the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. And they're in your outline there, and we'll take them one at a time, and then we'll talk about what it means to center lives on those things. First of all, the great commandment is this. So Matthew 22, verses 37 through 40. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Some people had asked Jesus one day, hey, what's the most important thing? And here was his answer. He said, a second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law, all the demands of the prophets are all based on these two commandments. 
And so Jesus said, look, you want to sum up the teaching of the whole Bible? It's love God with every single part of your being. And it's love others as you love yourself. You could summarize it all in this. Because if I love God, there's no part of my life that, with my whole being, there's no part of my life that he can't have control of. I've surrendered everything to him. And if I love others as I love myself, well, that means I'm willing to do for you whatever I'd be willing to do for myself. And you'd be willing to do the same for me. And then life would be good. And every time we get in trouble with sin, every time we get in trouble with the law, every time we get in a fight over something, we violated one of those two things. Either we're not surrendering something to God or we're not treating people as we should. And so Jesus said that's what's important. And so for us as a church, we organized ourselves and said, hey, we're going to help people center their lives on Christ by centering their lives on the great commandment and the great commission. And so if we're going to talk about this, then the, the great commandment, okay, first of all, tells us there's two parts where um, the Lord says, or Jesus said, hey, if you want to have a good life, if you want to understand what's most important, then you've got to have a right relationship with God first. That's the vertical relationship. You've got to grow in your relationship with him. You've got to surrender everything to him. And so we offer meaningful worship services, meaningful worship experiences here each week at Centerpoint to help us love God more. Right now, if you're watching this on a screen at a worship service, we've sung worship songs to the Lord. We've had times of prayer. Um, our whole idea here is that we want to surrender our lives to him. And each time we have some teaching from God's word so he can speak to us, so we can love him more. Now, do relationships with other people happen during this time of worship? Sure, but the main focus here is to help us grow in our relationship with God. In fact, our desire is what you see there in Psalm 122.1. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Not I yawned when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. We want our worship services to be dynamic and interesting and helpful. And so when you come, that's an important part of this. And we set them up. So that people come and go, man, I'm glad to be here. Shook hands with a guy on, uh, going out of worship a couple of weeks ago. He says, look, don't take this wrong, but i got to compliment you this way. I didn't look at my watch once while you were speaking. I went, well, good. Well, you didn't insult me. In fact, if you'd have told me I looked at my watch five times, that would have been an insult. I hope we're not bored here. I hope you come here to get filled up with inspiration. I hope you come here so that your soul is energized. I love it when I get emails from people. It's like, I came to worship this week. And it was, like, it was like an oasis. I mean, I just got all rejuvenated. It was like a drink of fresh water. Do you know that God loves you and he wants you to experience his love? And do you know when I focus my eyes on the Lord, then the things of earth grow strangely dim? When I have focused on God's scripture, I can be worried to death about something, and I can have a worship time in my house every morning and a devotional time. I can have a worship time together with brothers and sisters in Christ and we come together for a worship time here in our worship services. And what's so interesting is, is I can come in burdened with worries, burdened with work, burdened with relationships, bogged down with all kinds of things. And when I really focus on the Lord, all of a sudden those things seem small. If that makes sense to you this morning, would you say amen? Well, that's why it's so important to sing his praises. And it's so important to worship him, to remind ourselves that he's God and we're not that he's almighty and there's no problem he cannot handle. And if you're here this morning and you are heavily burdened and you are weighed down, then I want you to understand not only is a meaningful worship experience part of Centerpoint's organization, we have organized ourselves because we all need it. I need it. You need it. People say, should I come to church? I go, sure. 
Well, can't I be a Christian without going to church? Yeah, burdened, bogged down, worried Christian. I mean, why would I want to do that? Why wouldn't I want to get together with others and celebrate how, God, how good God is? Why wouldn't I want to sing his praises and be encouraged and encourage the person beside me? And so that's why we do worship here, to help strengthen our relationship with God. And we're never going to stop doing that. And if that encourages you, would you say amen? That's who we are at Center Point. We're people who worship God, and we want to love him with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. Second part of that, Jesus said, well, I'm not just going to answer the question with one commandment. I'll give you two. The second is like it. You need to love others as yourself. You need to love your neighbor as yourself. And so the vertical part of my relationship with God is my, I mean, vertical part of my relationship here at church, at center point at our church, is that I need to grow in my relationship with God. The horizontal part is I need to grow in my relationship with others. So do you. And that's why we have small groups. We have connect groups we form so you can get to know other people. I mean, when a, a site first starts, an extension of our church first starts somewhere, it doesn't start out very big, and so it's not hard to get to know that many people. I mean, there's not that many people to know. But as it grows, I mean, right now, where I am in Prattville here today, I mean, sitting here with 600 of our closest friends, it's kind of hard to get to know everybody. But what if we got you in a smaller group? What if we got you in a group where you could get to know people's names and pray for each other and you even knew each other's kids? And what if out of that group... You built some relationships where you could have an accountability partner. Well, now all of a sudden, you and I are going to get to know what it's like to love others and for them to love us back. Listen to what, um, and so that's, we offer connect groups to help us love others more. Listen to what Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians 2.8. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. Can you imagine that? having a relationship where we're sharing our lives. And those are the testimonies I love to hear. When people go, I got to tell you, I thought that joining a connect group, I thought maybe you just get a free microwave in heaven if you push that stuff or whatever it is. You know, as a pastor, that's your job. You got to push that. But they said, what's incredible is my wife and I, we tried a connect group or my husband and I, we finally went to a connect group and it's changed our lives. Because we have friends. We've never had friends like this before. If that actually resonates with you this morning and you go, that's me you're talking about, would you raise your hand right now that's changed your life? I want you to look around. Hold them up high if that has happened. I want you to look around. There are a bunch of people whose lives are changed. We want you to be a part of a connect group so you can learn to love others and they can love you. This is such a big part of what we do here. And we've organized ourselves for this. Because when you sum it all up, what's happening is this. Center point, we have this slogan, we say it all the time, it's on the front of uh, the bulletin cover this, this week. It's all about, oh my goodness, we don't say it often enough. Okay, it, <laughs> it's all about, okay, relationships. We need to say that all the time. It is all about relationships. What's, if we're going to keep the main thing, the main thing is what your mission does. I mean, the main thing for Walmart is to save people money so they can live better. The main thing for Amazon is to be the most customer-centric company they can be so people can find and discover anything they want to buy online. Well, what's ours? Well, the first part is there's two parts to it. The first part is it's all about relationships, relationships with God and relationships with others. If somebody asks you the plot of the Bible, it's all about relationships, relationships with God and relationships with others. What's the greatest commandment? Love God. 
And the second is like it, love others. You really can't separate it. Because how can we love God whom we can't see if we don't love our neighbor whom we can? And so at center point, our mission is to help people by centering their lives on the great commandment, loving God and loving others. Now, the second thing that we do here is we help people center their lives on Christ by helping them follow the great commission. If you've grown up in church, you've heard this passage many times. If you haven't, it's kind of, these are the last words of Jesus before he ascended into heaven. And uh, when I worked at Fraser Methodist, uh, the senior pastor there for a number of years was John Ed Matheson, and I cannot tell you how many times I heard John Ed say, you know, if they're the last words of Jesus, they ought to be the first words of the church. And he would love it that I imitated him that way. Anyway, uh, but, <laughs> but if they're the last words of Jesus, they ought to be the first words of the church. Jesus said, I'm going to go prepare a place for you, and when everything's ready, I'm going to come get you. Until then, here's what I want you to be doing. And this is what he said, Matthew 28. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. This is the Great Commission. We're supposed to love God, and we're supposed to love others, and we're supposed to go and help other people do the same. Not just for ourselves. Somebody told us, and we got to tell others. I mean, why on earth do we keep this secret to ourselves? This is the greatest thing ever. So, at Centerpoint, we want to be a church that obeys the Great Commission. We want to help people keep their lives centered on that, too. So, we use a Centerpoint, at Centerpoint, we use a multi-site strategy. And the whole idea behind BM, a uh, multi-site church, is to be a church that has not only a congregation at one time here at Prattville, we have congregations that meet for worship at 8, 9, 30, and 11, but also we can have congregations meeting in different locations simultaneously. And the whole idea behind that is the bullet point, first bullet point on your outline, we use a multi-site church strategy to help each other go. Go where? Well, if this is... This is Prattville. Well, God has already led us to Pike Road. He's led us to Cloverdale. He's led us to Wetumpka. And the whole idea behind this is, is we got this, when we got this church organized, we said, well, hey, from the very beginning, we want to be a church that sends people out. So not only did we want people to come and gather for worship where we started this in Prattville, we also wanted to be a place where people could go. And if they worshiped in their community, then there are a lot of people, like you take Pike Road, for instance. Well, there are people who live on the other side of Montgomery. It might take them 35, 45 minutes just to get here one way in a standard drive. And they could come and they go, wow, I'd love that. That's a great church. I wish there was something like that in my neck of the woods. Good. We'll put one there. Somebody in Wetumpka, it takes me 45 minutes to get there. That's really great. I'm not coming there every week. Man, I wish there was something like that here. Good. How about you in Cloverdale? Okay, just put it here. Okay. But what if we took the church to them? And what if we used ordinary people to do it? People who said, hey, I'm volunteering for this, but, but I think God wants me to do something not just in Prattville. I think he wants us to do something in, in my neck of the woods. Can we do that? Oh, yeah, not only can we do that, we've been praying about that since this church started. I mean, if you want to know... This was a vision that was put on my heart 15 years before I ever became the senior pastor of this church. That there'd be a church that we could say, hey, we can take the church wherever God wants it to go. 
could start in a living room like this one did in 2009 here in a living room in Prattville. And the whole idea is we just want to go and make disciples. So this church is built from the beginning that way. Listen to what it says in Acts 1.8. Jesus told the disciples some other words he said just before he ascended into heaven were this, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I think all of us would understand that, my goodness, if, if this good news of Jesus is going to be carried out to everywhere, well, the best way it could be carried out is through relationships. And so obviously, if we have people worshiping in Pike Road, instead of driving all the way up here, well, then they're going to meet people at Walmart and at the grocery store and dropping their kids off at school that they met in worship. And they're going to be able to invite them. Hey, just go right around the corner. That's where we meet. Oh, well, I can be a part of that. Well, then you've understood it. And what if God wants us not only to be a part of all these things, but what if he's got other places for us to go? That was supposed to be a question mark. Okay, there we go. Where now? It looked like a two. I don't know what that was. Um, but the whole idea is that what if God has new places for us? And he does, by the way. Working with some folks in Houston, Texas right now. We're talking to some folks in North Alabama and Huntsville and at the beach. We're hoping we can have extensions in all kinds of places. Well, you mean if somebody left and their career moved them somewhere, they could actually go and help get these started? Oh, yeah. And what if we prayed about that and designed ourselves and didn't tie up all our resources in a big building so we'd have resources to help them when they went? That's center point. And if anybody asks you, well, like I had a guy I was getting my oil changed the other time. He goes, you're the pastor of that hotel church, right? I went, yeah, I'm, the, I'm that guy. He goes, well, let me ask you something. What are you guys doing? How come you don't just build a building? And so, whether he wanted it or not, he got a little diagram drawn in the back of the oil change form. <laughs> he goes, oh, man, I don't know if I wanted all this. You asked, okay. And I told him, well, here's what we're doing. He goes, well, that makes sense. And I go, I hope so. And I invited him to church. Now, guys, this is what we're doing here because God wants us to go. Do you know that some of you sitting here are people are going to, one day God's going to tap to go start something someplace else? You might go, no, not me. Somebody else here, though, this morning, your heart is beating fast even as I said that right now because you go, I can't believe you said that. I was going to call you sometime. I mean, this is the way it starts over and over and over again. That's how we've gotten to these sites. It's how you're going to hear us start up many more in the years to come. So we want to be a church that goes and makes disciples. I mean, the King James, that therefore go in Matthew 28, 19 is go ye therefore. Well, go ye therefore doesn't mean stay ye here for. I mean, it doesn't. So somewhere somebody's got to go. Well, who's going to go? I don't know. God does. And some of you will do it. You will. Not yet. But there'll come a day and you'll say, man, I couldn't believe when you were talking about that. Uh, but boy, I want to do this. Some of you guys watching on video, you guys are probably applauding where you are because that was exactly why you went. Helped us get something going at all these wonderful places. Another part of that great commission here, we intentionally reach out to sinners and we baptize those who repent 
and place their faith in Christ. You're supposed to go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Well, we're going to baptize people. We baptize people all the time. And we Tumka right now, this morning, they baptized six people just a few minutes ago. Okay, well, why are we baptizing people? Who are you baptizing? Well, we're baptizing lost sinners. We want this church to be a place where lost sinners can come in. Listen to what Jesus said about this. The Pharisees, who were kind of the religious leaders of the day, the Pharisees and their religious scholars came to Jesus' disciples one day, greatly offended. What is he doing, eating and drinking with crooks and sinners? Well, Jesus heard about it, and he spoke up, Who needs a doctor, the healthy or the sick? I'm here inviting outsiders, not insiders, an invitation to a changed life, changed inside and out. Man. That is exactly who we are. At Center Point, we want to keep our doors open. We want to invite people. I mean, it made me laugh. A few months ago, I got an email from a person who had been visiting our church, and he said, well, I was visiting your church for the first time, and I just want you to know, there was a couple sitting in front of me, and he identified who they were, and he goes, and they lead a pretty notoriously sinful lifestyle. And I was just shocked that they were part of your church. Well, actually, I knew who he was talking about. So I wrote him back, and I said, I know who you're talking about, and the reason they were there is I invited them. I had. I invited them to come to church. I'm going to invite people who have no hope to come find hope. I want this to be a place where people who are bound up in sin and guilt and shame to find freedom. I want people who are far away from God to come to a worship service and experience God's presence in a way they never thought imaginable. My friends, who do you think needs to be baptized? The people whose sins have been washed away. The people who need a new life. And you know what? There aren't just people who need that in Prattville. There are people who need a new life in Pike Road and Wetumpka and Cloverdale and a thousand other places. But how are they going to hear if no one tells them? And how are they going to go? How's anybody going to go if no one sends them? That's why we built Center Point. You're a part of that. Man, we want you to play here. When I encourage you to be a part of a connect group, when I encourage you to invite a friend to worship, I'm not inviting you to invite a friend to worship because they got nothing else to do on Sunday mornings or whatever. I mean, I know people are busy. This is real life. And if you're here this morning and you have never heard that and you've never read that before, that Jesus came to save the sick and to save the lost, hear this. There is nothing... There is no sin too great for Jesus to forgive. He died on the cross for anyone, for everyone who will come to him, and everyone who repents can be saved, no matter who we are, no matter what we've done. Please hear that. So we go, and we're set up to do that. You know, at each of our sites then, we, we go, we baptize people, and then we get people in small groups. So each of our sites would be just kind of a, a smaller version of this. Got connect groups. And the whole idea there at the top of the second page is this. We use our small group strategy 
to teach and counsel each other. Jesus said, I want you to go and make disciples. I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I want you to teach them everything I taught you. Well, how are we going to do that? We're going to teach and counsel each other in small groups. I can teach on Sunday mornings, but that's only part of the deal. What if you have questions? What if you didn't get it? What if, man, I need to work through this. Well, that's going to happen in the context of relationships in a small group. And we read earlier that Paul says, hey, we gave you our very lives as well. Well, listen to what else Paul said, Colossians 3.16. Let the words of Christ in all their richness live in your hearts and make you wise. Use his words to teach and counsel each other. Okay? Not just let the pastor teach and counsel you. We need to teach and counsel each other. Again, because this is the way we're going to grow. And if you've been part of a meaningful connect group experience, you know this is what happens. And there are two little phrases we use to stress the importance of growing in a connect group again. There are times when I need to know, when I need to know some information, because I've never heard that before. And there's times when I need to grow. When I know dang well what to do, I'm just not willing to do it. I mean, right? Right? Okay, thank you. Oh, I don't know what you're talking about. I've never had to grow. Okay. Come on. We need to know, and we need to grow. There's times that I don't know what's going on, and I need to read the Bible and go, wow, I never heard that before. Other times, oh, yeah, I've heard that. I'm just not willing to do it. And in a connect group, that's where we can discuss the information and go, wow, I've just never read that before. There's other times we need to go, hey, would you all pray for me on this? Because I've read this five times, and I don't want to do it. It might be about forgiveness, and it surely didn't mean my brother-in-law. Pray for your enemies. I mean, you're not talking about my boss, right? Because I can't stand that guy. I'm not going to pray for him. I mean, this is how this works. Our church is set up to help you do that. So we can teach and counsel each other. Go, make disciples, baptize them, and teach them. That's why we structure it the way we have. And we want to do it in as many places as we can. Okay, so John, what's the part about centering lives on Christ? Well, first of all, let me just say that centering lives is an ongoing process. This is a process. It's not something you just do once. I mean, if I'm going to, let me flip this the wrong way. If I'm going to center my life on Christ, first of all, it's really funny because sometimes people will talk to me about our logo. And they'll say, hey, you know, you got that center point logo and you got the cross here. It's off-center. I mean, you need to put it in the middle. It's like, well, that's because we're centering lives on Christ. It's an ongoing process. I mean, it's not a one-time deal. When I come to Christ, yep, my life's centered. I'm good. Too bad for you. That's not the way it is. I have to center my life more than once. Now, understandably, look, if I'm not a Christian, I'm way over here. I mean, Christ is no part of my life. And I got to i got to confess my life to him and surrender my life to him. But even if I've been a Christian for a while, it's easy to get off center again. I mean, I hope you don't take that offense. I hope nobody's offended by that. There are parts of our lives, my goodness, that we can't have surrendered to Christ or we couldn't have centered our lives on them because we didn't have certain things in our lives yet. I mean, some of you heard me share this before. When I became a Christian in college, I surrendered all my worldly goods to God both my folding chairs and my cooler. He could have it all, and he didn't want them. 
Now, well, now I have a mortgage. I got a retirement plan. I got kid in college. I better surrender that. I couldn't have surrendered my wife and kids. I wasn't married, didn't have any kids. And I'm going to need Christ's help to be a godly dad, a godly husband, a godly provider. I mean, right? Well, of course. Well, that's going to take some centering. Now, I also do stupid things. And all of you are writing that down. John does stupid things. We all do stupid things. And sometimes to recenter our lives is just to confess our sins. And that's why it helps to be in a small group again where people can say, hey, come on, you're showing your backside. Admit you're wrong, let's go. Confess it, let's go. Come on, we all do it. And we get our lives centered again. So the whole idea of the cross being a little bit off there is this is what we're always working on, getting Christ in the center. Because you understand, if I don't center my life on Christ, I'm probably going to center it on something else. I mean, we even talk that way. I'll tell you what that guy's all about. He's all about money. Oh, her? She's all about appearances. Them? All they want is fame. Just, that's all they want, make a name for themselves. We talk about that all the time. I'll tell you what drives them. Wouldn't it be great if all the people who came to Centerpoint were known... These people, you want to know the center point people? It's all about Jesus. Their lives are centered on him. They love God. They love others. And they go. They reach out to lost people. They baptize them. And they teach them what they know. Here's a life application for you and me. If you, live, you and I live a... Oh, I didn't read that scripture. Let me go back to Philippians 3. I don't mean to say I've already achieved all these things. This is why I said it's an ongoing process. Paul said this. He said, I don't, I don't say I've achieved all these things or that I've already reached perfection. I press on to possess the perfection which Christ Jesus first possessed, possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past, I look forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. Paul said, I haven't reached it yet. All I did was write most of the New Testament. Well, if he hadn't reached it yet, then chances are you and I haven't. So let's get on with it. Let's be those people. Let's encourage each other and build each other up. Let's strengthen each other and pray for each other. So we can go when God calls us and we can be the people who introduce our friends to Christ when the opportunity and the time is right. Now the life application, a centered life is a changed life. I mean, if I'm far away from Christ, Christ is now the center of my life. If I drifted away, I came back. If there was a new area in my life, I surrendered it now. Of course I didn't surrender it before. I didn't know anything about it. But now I have a, a changed life. I have a new life. I have a meaningful life. A useful life. Useful for God's kingdom. We did a whole series for the last couple of the last month and a half on training camp. That was what it was all about. When the Holy Spirit fell on Pentecost Sunday, God used Peter to preach an amazing sermon. Thousands of people gave their lives to Christ at one time, and they surrendered fully. 
And so we have a paragraph that describes the church. When it first started, it gives us the ideal to shoot for. And this is what we'd hope for at center point. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and prayer. A deep sense of awe came over all of them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and the believers met together in one place. They shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions. They shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper. They shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Well, I guess so. Who doesn't want to be a part of that? You know what we want for center point? We want this. People are in small groups, meeting in people's homes for supper. And in the context of those relationships, somebody needs a job. Somebody else says, well, I can help you with that. Let me show you how to write a resume. Somebody else says, I need a car. It's like, I got an old car. You can use it. We pray for each other and we have worship that's meaningful. And we pray, and prayers are answered. That's our mission. That's keeping the main thing the main thing. If you've been looking at your outline, you've been saying, John, you have talked way too slowly to get through all this, and you are right. And so next time we talk about our vision and where we're going, we're going to save that for next week. So all the fill-in-the-blank people, you can come back. It's amazing where God's going to lead us. <laughs> I want you to be excited to be a part of this church. God has called us to something incredible here. He's called every Christian to these things. All we've done is organize ourselves to be as efficient and as clear on that as possible. I hope today you've been challenged, though. This, is, this, isn't, this isn't the vision for Centerpoint Corporate or Centerpoint Inc. This is the vision for me. Center point is just a vehicle to help me get there. Does that make sense to everyone? We're just trying to help each other get there. So we can center our lives on Christ and nothing else. We can reach the lost. We can go make disciples. We can teach them everything that we've learned. And let me say one thing about that too. Because sometimes people say, well, I can't be a leader. I can't teach people. You know what God wants us to do? He wants to teach people what he's taught us. If you just became a Christian and you surrendered your life to the Lord, you can tell people, I surrendered my life to the Lord. I just became a Christian. This is what I know. That's why it's so important to keep growing and keep learning because the more we know, the more we can teach. I hope you're excited to be a part of this church. I'm so excited I can't stand it. I love being a part of this. I want us to pray that God's power will continue, God's hand will continue to be on this church, and he will guide us forward with his vision. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to be here today. I thank you, Lord, that you have given a mission to Christians everywhere, and Centerpoint is just one expression of that. There are many churches in the world. We are only one. But, Lord, I pray that everyone will understand everything that we've done here is just so we can be organized and help each other. I pray, Lord, that you would keep us focused on the great commandment and the great commission always. I pray that we would be ready, willing, and able to go wherever you send us. I pray that you would show us how to love you more and love others more with all of our hearts. And we would not resist you. If the Lord has spoken to you about something this morning, 
about being in a small group, about surrendering fully to him, about being ready to go. If your heart was beating fast when I talked about that, I want you to pray about it right now and say, God, I heard you. Lord, I heard you. Give me the strength to follow you now. We pray these things together, Lord. We ask you at the beginning of this message to speak. We thank you that you did. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen.